You are listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a show covering the hometown Milwaukee Brewers as we analyze the roster, report on the latest rumors, and discuss their quest to bring the World Series trophy to Milwaukee for the first time. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Go. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, Peter. David, we're here. Opening day has come and gone. The season is officially starting. Uh, I have to say, probably most excited to record this podcast that I have been in, well, really since we ended last year on that sour note. Uh, but we're, we've made it. Uh, Brewers opening up the year five and five. Uh, really some interesting things to break down today. I'm excited to jump into both some of our predictions that we've got today, as well as the good and the bad and the ugly that we've seen from the Brewers. Uh, David, how are you doing today? I'm great. Uh, always great to have Brewers baseball back. Uh, this one felt particularly long of an offseason. I know it was only an extra week, but it felt like it was a long time that we were waiting. Finally, April 7th, opening day came, and we're now 10 games into the year. Brewers sitting at 5-5. Five and five. They haven't been great, but I'm excited to finally have some real baseball to talk about and not just some uh, speculation on when the lockout might end or, or some, uh, some looking back at the 1982 Brewers. Yes, yes, absolutely. That, that was kind of the theme of the offseason, both for, for us and fortunately, just about all Brewers fans. Like you said, looking forward to that hopeful 2022 season. All things considered, I'd say it was a win for, for everybody, the fans, the players, the owners. It seems like everybody won in the situation. So glad that baseball is back. Of course, like you said, Brewers 5-5, five and five, um, playing okay baseball. Glad to see that they're staying afloat, um, not off to necessarily a, a terrible start. But we'll, we'll jump into all of that to uh, take a look at the pitching staff. Um, who some of our biggest surprises have been and more as we get into the episode. But before we jump into that, our trivia question today, David, what do you have? Uh, entering Sunday, the Brewers have three hitters that have been above league average so far. Who are those three hitters? We're using OPS plus as the measurement, 100 being league average. The Brewers, again, three hitters above league average. Who are those three? Um, anyone who's taken a plate appearance, is, uh, a plate appearance qualifies um, so all of the position players are eligible. Uh, and we'll find that out, see if Peter has the answer at the end of the episode. I know I know, I can rule out uh, Jace Peterson on that one. I was watching uh, watching the game, uh, recording this here Sunday night, was watching Sunday's game here against the Cardinals uh, and the Brewers win here. And uh, Rock was talking on the broadcast after Jace Peterson, I believe, knocked a single into right field. He mentioned, you know, we're still waiting for Jace to, to get things going again or to, to resume to what, what he was last year. Uh, not sure exactly we're going to get the same production out of him, but I know he's been um, his kind of typical self with a low batting average and several walks. So uh, we'll see if I can uh, track that down. Um, three hitters above league average so far um, by OPS+. plus. So David, seen an interesting start for the Brewers, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, all the players. Um, so let's just start first here um, at the start of the season, taking a look at our projections for the Brewers. You know, position player of the year, Cy Young, breakout player of the year, and then just our overall expectations for the Brewers as a team, both in the NL Central and hopefully in the playoffs as well. Where do you want to start with, with our predictions for the 22 Brew Crew team? Let's go ahead and start with the big one, the position player of the year. Um, we just got different answers for this one. Uh, both guys that are, that are interest, uh, interesting to watch for the 2022 season, but kind of coming off contrasting seasons. My position player of the year prediction, Willie Adames. Yeah, 
And uh, like you said, contrasting in mine being the Brewers left fielder, Christian Yelich. Yeah, and I kind of talked about how last week uh, I, I don't have a lot of confidence that Yelich is going to, to bounce back to his, his pre-2020 levels. Uh, and so far he's been uh, a little bit up and down. He has made some big outs in big situations. He's had some big hits as well. Um, the power quite hasn't really quite been there yet, but uh, small sample size. Willie Adame so far um, really hasn't been that great either. But I felt like he's that uh, Willie Adame has had a lot of good at bats. Uh, he's looked pretty good, and uh, this is an award that actually, had he been healthy, I would have gone with Luis Urias. Uh, but with him missing potentially up to the first four weeks of the year, uh, not sure I'm as confident in the uh, the production of Urias over a shortened amount of time. Yeah, I think both Adames and Urias are exciting players. Fans should be excited to see the production out of the two on the left side of the infield this year. Like you said, Christian Yelich, we've, uh, you know, I'm not, not to beat the dead horse um, here. Of course, we've talked about his production plenty. Of course, 2020 and 2021 um, being significant underperformances based upon his standard set, both in 2019 and 2018, but even his time before the Marlins. And so I'm not necessarily expecting MVP season out of Christian Yelich. Uh, the 330 batting average with the you know almost eight win season, um, but it, I think it's plausible to see maybe a four win season out of him this year. It it really was what he was doing for the most part year in year out uh, in Miami and that's for a couple of years with the Brewers before the contract extension and COVID and the interesting years that we've had um, perhaps some injuries as well. So what I expect from Yelich is a bounce back year this year. Hopefully we see some power numbers come back more in that four wins above replacement, get the slugging level back up. I know that's been a big one, uh, his slugging dropping to 373 and 333, excuse me, in, in um, oh, excuse me, 430 and 373 in the last two years, uh, both significantly down from his levels, both during the MVP campaigns uh, as well as his time with the Marlins. So hoping that Yelich can kind of settle into where at least he was with the Marlins. I think if he can do that, um, on a pretty regular basis, be a consistent player, consistent leader in the clubhouse. Brewers and Yelich can still win on the extension. That's my case for why I expect Christian Yelich to be the Brewers position player of the year this year. So, uh, of course, Cy Young Award, there's plenty of interesting names. I mean, really, if you think about both in the starting rotation and in the bullpen, if this were a year where the Brewers didn't have such star power in the rotation, you could pick a guy like Josh Hader or even Devin Williams. Um, but who's your pick, David, for the Brewers Cy Young this year? I think Brandon Woodruff will be the Brewers Cy Young this year. Uh, and I, I, I don't want me to take any credit away from Corbin Burns or Freddie Peralta. Uh, but I just – I think Woodruff is uh, – he's a phenomenal pitcher. He doesn't get enough credit both in the Brewers rotation and on a national stage. Uh, I know I'm not alone in, in picking Brandon Woodruff. Uh, the Athletic pulled their beat writers, and a couple of them picked Woodruff for Cy Young. Uh, Eno Saris, who's a um, noted fantasy, uh, big fantasy, fantasy baseball expert, especially in the aspect of pitching. He, uh, he predicted Woodruff. Uh, Woodruff's got the big fastballs. And uh, the big thing with Woodruff, I think, is, is the durability that he provides. Uh, he's, he's thrown a lot over the last couple, uh, couple of years. And he's really shown that he can be a true workhorse. Uh, now, whether the Brewers allow him to do that or not could be the difference in uh, his, his Cy Young candidacy on a national stage or in, across the league. But I think Woodruff will outpitch Burns in terms of the volume. 
And I think as a result, Woodruff will be actually the most valuable pitcher for the Brewers in 2022. Yeah, Woodruff not off to the start he was hoping for in 2022. I know, uh, David, you got to see his start firsthand there at Wrigley, which was a rough one for him. Um, but all things considered, I, I definitely a positive outlook on his season. But I'm going to go with none other than Corbin Burns for the Brewers 2022 Cy Young. I uh, don't need to say too much about this. Obviously, the reigning National League Cy Young winner from 2021. Uh, he's looked decent uh, overall to start the season. Of course, just two starts uh, thus far. But compared to Woodruff and even... Peralta and some of the other arms. He's looked, uh, I guess, more ready for the season. Um, I'm just excited to see if he can replicate what he did in 2021. And certainly if he can, I expect him to be the Brewers signing award winner. So this is an interesting one. We've got a couple of different newcomers. David, we were talking about this before the podcast. We've got Hunter Renfro, Andrew McCutcheon, Victor Caratini, Trevor Gott, just to name a couple of the Brewers newcomers. Who's your newcomer of the year prediction? My prediction, kind of like my my Cy Young and my position player of the year pick, has gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. I'm going with Hunter Renfro, a little bit of the obvious pick, the most heralded offseason addition that the Brewers did make. But I still do believe in that power. He hit 31 home runs a year ago, got an excellent arm in right field, and is a, overall has been a pretty steady player. On, and I, I overall am a believer in the consistent production that Renfro has provided at the big league level, uh, I think that 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 production will outweigh uh, maybe the smaller sample sizes of a couple of other guys that the Brewers have brought in over the course of the offseason. I'm going with Hunter Renfro for Newcomer of the Year. Yeah, you said uh, most heralded of the Brewers' offseason acquisitions, probably second to that being Andrew McCutcheon. I'm going to go with actually probably one of the least heralded uh, in Trevor Gott. I'm interested to see what he can produce in the Brewers bullpen. I've been happy with the limited um, the limited innings that we've seen out of him. I believe he's come in uh, three appearances, a little over four innings thus far into the year, yet to allow an earned run, which again, small, very small sample size, off to a good start. But more so, I've been happy to see Craig Council's confidence in him. You know, we all saw Sunday, Devin Williams continue to struggle, which again, if we see that continuing that could shift roles in the bullpen and allow Gott to uh, see higher leverage situations and add more value to the Brewers. But we saw Gott uh, come into the game late uh, in that eighth with the bases loaded, two outs, get that last batter uh, as he gets over to the ninth for Hader to close the door. Um, so that was good to see from him uh, here on Sunday. Uh, but I'm going to go with a, a little bit of a long shot and, and go with Trevor Gott for my newcomer uh, of the year award. David, how about breakout or bounce back player of the year? A couple of different options. I know we had a lot of you know, breakout years last year, uh, even the two on the left side of the infield. You mentioned earlier, of course, Willie Adames and Luis Urias. Uh, but who's your bounce back player of the year prediction? I'm going with Keston Hura, uh, kind of echoing my my sentiments that I shared on the last episode about my confidence. Uh, he, has, he hasn't had excellent results so far this year, but he actually has looked considerably better. Uh, 14 plate appearances, excuse me, 12 plate appearances so far. Uh, just has two hits, but uh, but he he only struck out four times, which I guess is still a, a third of the time. Um, but but uh, I guess better rate than than it has been before. Um, and he it's more really the eyes that have told me that that he he looks improved. I think one thing also that is of note um, is Keston here actually has reverse platoon splits in his major league career, meaning uh, he's hit right-handers significantly better. 
but yet in the early season um, opportunities that the Brewers have given to Hero, they've been giving him at-bats against left-handed pitching. So I find that a little bit interesting. Perhaps seeing Kesson against more right-handed pitching would be beneficial for, uh, for Hira to produce that a little bit better of a clip. Um, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily say that I believe that Keston Hira will be a better player than Yelich this year, but I think that he'll bounce back more uh, considering where Keston was at a year ago versus where Yelich was at a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if Hira were to have a 100 OPS plus season this year being an average hitter, that's, that's a significant a step in the right direction for him, which is around where Yelich was last year, I believe. So, yeah, we're definitely not comparing apples to apples. We kind of joke about this with the bounce back player of the year or breakout player of the year, most improved uh, award. I understand the basis for him, but it is a little bit funny when you got a guy like Hero who could win the award based upon the fact that he was so bad last year. Um, but I, I, I'm certainly rooting for him, and I agree. He's looked a little bit more comfortable at the plate. Uh, certainly we'll see what results continue to come in from him. Uh, my bounce back player of the year, Christian Yelich, not much more to share here. Obviously, I've got him as my position player of the year. So expecting hopefully a three to four win season from him this year. And again, like I said, some increased power um, from that, uh, hopefully middle of the order bat that the Brewers really need to complement the deep offensive line that they have. So again, we've got our position player of the year, Cy Young, newcomer of the year, breakout player of the year. And then the Brewers as a team, uh, of course, in the National League Central, uh, the likes of the Cardinals, Cubs. Uh, I don't even know if I mentioned the Reds or Pirates at this point. They're hardly in the division. But, David, what's your prediction for the Brewers' regular season win totals, uh, Whether they, where you see them falling in the division, and then ultimately where do you see them playing out in the playoffs? Mm -hmm. I think 93 wins for the Brewers this year. Uh, I know the early, the early season results haven't been super encouraging, but, you know, I believe in the talent they have. 10-game sample isn't much. They were they were 500 last year, two months through the year. Uh, and then Adamus came in, and, and really they changed course after that. Uh, and kind of the bolder part of that prediction, I mean, 93 wins isn't super bold given the, uh, given, given the rest of the division. Um, the Pirates, of course, are, are very bad. Uh, Cincinnati and, and Chicago both are, I would still say, below average teams. And St. Louis is fine, but they're not, they're not great. Uh, so having having 93 wins, I don't think would be a big shock. But what I do having have a, being more of a shock is the Brewers winning the National League pennant. Now I I don't know if I'd say that the Brewers are the best team in the National League right now, but I also um, I, I guess I'm just not really that as much of a believer in the Dodgers as as many people are. Uh, I still think they're the best team, but I don't think that there's as big of a difference between the Dodgers and some other teams. Um, and like we, we probably could have predicted the Dodgers to win the world series, what each of the last seven years or something. And they've only won one. So uh, I, I think with baseball, you never really know. Um, and I think the Brewers are going to win the pennant. I, I, I don't know that I go so far as to say they will win the world series, but I am going, I am going with the, uh, the pennant at least. Yeah, I, I think the National League is interesting. We've already seen some injuries change the landscape with, of course, the Mets starting rotation um, and their health. And like you said, the, the perpetual conversation around how good the Dodgers on paper should be and how they should run away with the NL West. Of course, we saw the Giants resurgence last year. And some good, you know, bolstering 
uh, of the teams in the National League. East. So certainly interesting to see um, what what will occur in the National League. It is interesting to see Fangraphs uh, projections. I know the Brewers are the, the Fangraphs always understates the Brewers projections. I mean, we go through this every single year, um, but it is interesting. It's still, you know, I, I mean, I guess close to the best projections, I guess, that we can have out there, certainly more complicated uh, than I would be able to do myself. But they've actually got the Brewers projected for 86 wins, only two more wins than the Cardinals, um, again, projected for the, the 2022 season. I, I do have the Brewers winning more than 86 games. I've got them winning 90, a little bit less than you have. Um, I'm I'm not sure if I can expect the same out of the rotation that we saw last year. Um, and I do still think they need to make some addition to the offense if they really want to be a true World Series contender. But I do actually have them making it to the NLCS. Um, but my prediction is that they will um, be defeated in the National League uh, Championship Series. Certainly would be glad to be proved wrong uh, and end up seeing the Brewers in the World Series. And the Brewers are a team that we've said this year after year, but anytime you got the Brewers in a, in a, uh, in a playoff series, you know they've got a chance. Even think about that uh, NLCS where the Brewers almost stole that one um, back against the Dodgers with Jolice Chassin and the likes uh, playing in that game against the, the Dodgers, $200, $300 million payroll. So uh, my prediction for the Brewers, again, 90 wins uh, with the, of course, NL Central Division Championship and a loss in the National League Championship Series. David, so any other things that you wanted to mention here before we moved on to some of the other topics today? Yeah, I, I might maybe would uh, dispute your uh, fan graphs being the best predict, projection or prediction uh, model for uh, for major league teams. Um, Bob Nightingale actually has correctly predicted the World Series winner the last three years somehow. Um, I don't know how. So uh, I, I was looking and I couldn't find his, his actual 2022 predictions. Uh, I only could find the win totals. He, he said he really likes the Brewers in the article. And that he thinks they'll win the division for sure, but I, I don't know if he'll out, he, if he has them winning the World Series. Last year, uh, Trevor Plouffe, the former former infielder, uh, one of the personalities now at John Boy over on YouTube, uh, he predicted Braves over Astros in six, and he was right. Um, and and so it was a big reveal for this year who was going to win because he um, scientifically proven that he'll be a hundred percent accurate in his prediction this year. Um, well, he has the Brewers winning the World Series in 2022 uh, so maybe they know a little bit more about fan graphs um fan graphs also i think has the yankees as the best team in baseball um which i might put them in the top 10 uh i i guess i i guess i trust my eyes more than i trust fan graphs i sound like an old person right now <laughs> yeah don't trust don't trust the, uh, the the old number and data analytics I, I think you take everything with a grain of salt but i do think i i do like that it's also updated you know pretty much daily um, mm -hmm. So you can see the, the running projections. It, it is a pretty cool feature that, of course, we haven't had for um, most of baseball's history. So enough of uh, David's uh, bat bashing data and analytics. Um, we'll move on to uh, a second topic here today about the pitching staff, which we've talked about a little bit. Uh, of course, Brandon Woodruff off to a great start. Freddie Peralta had his uh, typical first inning struggles that we were used to with young fastball Freddie. Um, and Corbin Burns hasn't looked quite as sharp as his 21 season. So, David, what are your initial thoughts here? Is, is it too soon to, to be concerned about this? What, do you, what takeaways, if any, do you have uh, from the Brewers' start to the season? Uh, both, we'll start, let's just start in the starting rotation first. We'll, we'll address the bullpen after. So, uh, let's just take a look at the starting rotation thus far. What are your takeaways, if any, uh, from this you know, brief start to the season? 
yeah, I mean, anybody who's been watching the Brewers knows that the, the rotation's been a little bit shaky, especially with the command. That's been the real, the real issue. You look at the walk numbers. You also look at just where they miss uh, when, you're, when you're watching where the catcher is set up, where the pitches end up being, and really what ends up leading to them typically getting hit pretty hard. Um, and, and it's kind of been an issue for all of them. Uh, Corbin Burns had a nice start against Baltimore, uh, and it kind of was, was like one of, those, one of those moments where he went um, seven innings, one run, I think, uh, like eight strikeouts, one walk. And it was like, ah, yeah, pretty good start. Uh, which I guess means Corbin Burns is kind of reaching that elite territory in uh, in the minds of at least myself, and I think other fans kind of kind of feel that way too. Um, I wouldn't describe myself as really concerned about any of the any of the starting pitchers right now. One of the uh, interesting developments actually that I found on the starting pitching side, Eric Lauer's added some velocity, uh, so his fastball his fastball velos ticked up a little bit. Aaron Ashby's actually added a little bit of movement on both his sinker and changeup. So those are two interesting things that could end up uh, for being a, a difference in, in two of the Brewers' back-end starters. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, both, of course, the, the lefties in the rotation. I've, I've been excited. Every, every time I see Ashby pitch, I, I would say I'm excited. I know the results haven't always been there. But seeing his start against the Cardinals today here on Sunday again, uh, really, just that one mistake, giving up that that slider right down the middle, almost hit it about 400. I don't know, 426 feet, I think it was, um, into the left field bleachers. Absolutely crushed it. That was really the only mistake, and I know it also came after an error from Colton Wong, kind of a borderline error, um, but could have been potentially out of the inning. So I know it doesn't hurt the ERA for him, uh, but just seeing his pitches, uh, the movement that he has, like you said, he was spotting a lot of pitches. Um, maybe a little bit more consistency, but you got to also remember he's still a young arm um, in Ashby and has some time to continue to develop uh, in that kind of hybrid starter reliever role. I also didn't realize that it was only his fifth career start. Uh, I forget that he hasn't made too many starts. So um, I'm, I'm still very excited to see what Aaron Ashby can do, both uh, as a starter and a reliever. I think the only other starter, I would say if I, if I was concerned about anyone, I would say maybe Freddie Peralta. Um, but at the same time, I'm not, you know, all of a sudden going to say he's going to have a bad year. I just think that it's that continued first inning. Can he get over that first inning? Uh, it's something that we know that he struggled with. But at the same time, he's also still a 26-year-old young uh, starter. So there's going to be some bumps in the road. And we can't necessarily expect the near perfection that we saw from so many of those guys last year. So I, I think it's definitely too early to be concerned, um, but just continue to, to monitor the results that we see from the Brewers pitching staff. What about the bullpen? That's uh, been uh, more or less a mixed bag. We've had some some pitchers struggling. Um, Devin Williams being probably the most obvious. Let's start there, David. So uh, besides that one good clean inning that we saw from him um, in his first appearance of this year, really struggled. And I think this kind of culminated in Sunday's game where he had to leave with the bases loaded. Uh, Brewers bringing in Trevor Gott to clean up the mess and get out of that one. But he certainly has struggled with command. So what are what are your takeaways from Devin Williams' start to the season? It's been shaky, um, very, very shaky. Um, but we also we, – we saw this last year. Um, so I think – you know, I, I don't know if I'd say, like, it's a good thing that we've seen it back-to-back years. But also, like, having seen it once and, and now, like, I guess now it happens again, um, I, I feel a little bit more confident that he potentially could be um, – could be bouncing back and could get – 
just to kind of take a while to get going in the the beginning of the year. So I, I don't know if I'd say I don't know if I would say that I'm concerned about Williams either. There's a couple guys that I am a little bit concerned about, but uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm I'm confident that Williams will go back to being a good reliever. It's been a couple very bad outings for him, but um, he's still Devin Williams. He's still got some track record. He's not just going to fall off a, a cliff in terms of the uh, the production that we get out of him. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know if it's a, a good or bad thing that we've seen it now two years in a row. And and I was actually pretty concerned last year that maybe 2020 was just a you know one-year wonder for him, that rookie of the year season from him. So I was pretty concerned last year. I, I, I think I'm a little bit more concerned than maybe the average Brewer fan. I, I don't know if it's uh, just seeing his his lack of control um, and was struggling to get Cardinals hitters to bite at that changeup when he left it out of the zone. And then when he was throwing it in the zone, um, you know, Tommy Edmond drops one into center field. So he was just kind of struggling with command um, and, and really getting hitters to bite, which is part of um, what makes him so good, of course. So I, I guess I wouldn't say I'm panicking, but I hope to see um, him turn that around. Uh, you hate to see the confidence shattered so early in the season. I have been very, very surprised with the success from Mike Brasso out of the pen. Uh, zero ERA scoreless inning from him. Wasn't expecting that sort of success from him out of the pen as a, a, a newly minted two-way player um, from Mike Brasso. But I'll, I'll, I won't uh, spoil um, our next our next question. So I'll jump into the surprises that we've seen so far this season. Um, David, what has been your biggest surprise so far? I know this this relates to the bullpen. So what's what's been your biggest surprise? Uh, we, we talked about him a little bit earlier. My biggest surprise has been Trevor Gott. He's been really good so far this year. Um, zero ERA in about five innings. Hasn't walked a guy either. Uh, the lone free pass being the hit by pitch on Hap back in that Cubs outing that he had. Um, he's really looked looked good. He's looked in control in his outings. Uh, got a good slider that his slider is only about three miles an hour slower than his fastball. Uh, so really almost kind of like a hard cutter that has a little bit more depth on it. Uh, and we saw Council trusting him. We went to them in that big situation, uh, which had us kind of talking before the episode. Um, they had Andrew Kisner up at the time. The Brewers go to Gott, and they pinch hit Corey Dickerson, left-handed hitter against Gott. In that situation, would you rather have Gott facing the lefty Dickerson, or would you rather have brought in uh, Hobie Milner, knowing that then they'd probably keep Kisner in the game and get lefty Hobie Milner on righty Andrew Kisner. You know, I think I, I, I can I take none of the above. How about uh, let's bring back the uh, the Josh Hader four out debate. Um, you know, we've seen this, of course, for years from Hader, uh, the, more than four outs, obviously. But I understand that last year, of course, the Brewers and Craig Council really wanted to limit Josh Hader to that traditional closer role. I, I really think the Brewers are losing some value from Hader. Um, when watching that game, it was just a perfect scenario. I get that you don't want to have him go three innings or, or 50, 60 pitches, um, but four outs, I don't know if that's too much to ask for uh, from Josh Hader, especially when the situation, I mean, really, we needed it out, and Devin Williams was really struggling to do so. Uh, you've got a, a weaker hitter coming up, two outs, bases loaded. This is probably the, the biggest at-bat of the game, and we've got Trevor Gott facing him rather than um, or Hobie Milner facing um, either Dickerson or uh, Kisner, I think it was, um, rather than Josh Hader. And, you know, I, I, I get the argument of behind keeping Hader to the winning. David, you were even sharing before about uh, length of time and, and pitchers' um, routine getting ready for games. 
and maybe that also could play into it. Um, I, I guess I don't understand that as much as uh, as someone who didn't pitch at a, a very high level. But I guess any have uh, on that would was that a situation that you would have liked to see Josh Hader in, or would you have preferred the Brewers sticking with Trevor Gott, or even the the Hopi Milner uh, possibility or option that you brought up as well? Yeah, I mean, I would say like I yeah I I kind of would like to see Hader in that role, uh, but also with the way that they've been using Hader. And the expectation is for him to only go one inning. So with that being said, I mean, last year we saw him in that role and he had his most effective year overall on ERA in the low ones. So it's, it clearly worked for him. Uh, now, does he provide more value that or providing a, a low twos ERA at about 75 innings? I mean, that's a question that you can continue to debate. You seem to take the higher volume route. Um, I think this way also preserves his, uh, his arm long-term a little bit better. Um, and also a closer who's been closing for a couple of years now, he's got a set routine where it kind of takes him a little bit to really work up to, um, to be able to get ready. And especially now it's been probably a year and a half, two years since he last came in with inherited runners too, coming in bases loaded, nobody out. Um, it, it seems like to me, at least it's not a super uncommon thing that Hader will end up walking the first guy that he faces um, and, and coming into a situation like that uh, might not be one that best sets up Hader for success. Um, I understand that Hader is the best reliever in baseball. And sure, I'd like to see him in high leverage situations before the ninth two. But also, I think it might be the best strategy for the Brewers to just keep him in ninth innings. Yeah, certainly value in both. Like you said, I, I would I. Uh, I think you're you're correct in saying I, I prefer the the higher volume, but getting him in the higher leverage situations more so. And I also understand they haven't been doing that, so it's maybe unrealistic to to try to you know stick him in there today. It would have to be something that they would have talked about and and planned for him really early before the season. And I don't think that's something that they have done, and probably something we won't see um, probably at all in the regular season, and, and maybe not even in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, even last year. When, uh, when Hayter did, did allow that home run to Freddie Freeman. Uh, the plan was for him to only go one inning in that, uh, that eighth inning, and that was even in an elimination game in the playoffs. Um, now, that, that, situ that, uh, that decision was uh, – I was not a fan of that. It didn't end up mattering, but I was not a fan of that decision. Um, but especially this early in the year, it uh, might be better for him to just go one inning right now and clearly we've seen all the pitchers not quite there yet especially with a, a spring training that was effectively cut in half so um a little right. bit a little bit different than the typical spring training um, i had trevor got as my biggest surprise what is your biggest surprise so far for the brewers yeah we've covered this plenty today on the episode the the struggle uh that the starting pitching has had has been my biggest surprise um, and no need to break that down any further. But I think as far as how do we continue to build confidence in the Brewers rotation and, and get uh, some, su some success uh, built upon, like you said, some of the good starts. Corbin Burns had a good start his second time around. So just continuing to get that. I think part of that, of course, is on the, the rotation. But uh, obviously, it sure helps if the offense produces as well. So offense, if the offense can continue to, to score runs early and often, um, as they say, uh, certainly takes the pressure off a Brewers pitching staff, which we know has a talent um, and hopefully can build up confidence here early into April and May um, as they, you know, get more into the season. We get 
uh, greater sample sizes from from of course Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, all those guys in the rotation. So uh, not not too not it's too early to get be concerned. Um, and certainly the there's a lot the pitching staff can do, but also of course uh, the offense certainly doesn't help when they uh, give early uh, run production as well. Yeah, and I would say I don't know if it if it's like a big surprise necessarily, but two guys in the pitching staff that I have not been impressed with at all so far this year. Yandel Gustave and Jose Ureña. Um, I when the rosters go down back to 26, right now they're at 28. I kind of hope those are the two guys that uh that uh go along with the roster cuts. I'm not sure honestly if either of them have options. I don't think Ureña does. Gustave, I'm not sure. Um, but Gustave throws kind of hard. I guess Ureña does too, but Gustave's fastball is really straight. So unless he really unless he like locates it perfectly. He uh, tends to get hit hard, and I just like I when I when I see him come out, I just kind of hold my breath and hope he doesn't allow a bunch of runs because I don't really have a lot of trust in uh, in Gustave. Urenia, just like it's more of the walks, I guess, for Urenia um, that I I mean I I think he'll be better than he has been so far. He came in for Woodruff that Saturday game and um, was really bad. Um, so far through two outings, um, I was walked four in about four innings, K3. Uh, but I, I'd i rather see Luis Perdomo on the roster personally than Jose Ureña. And maybe the Brewers are kind of planning on maybe doing that if Ureña um, is, is uh, more ineffective uh, in the next couple of weeks. But those are a couple of relievers that I have not been impressed with. Yeah, I think it's pretty feasible we could see those those two guys – um, option down or or whatever the uh, however it would work out depending on their situations because um, like you said neither of them have really performed well uh, Luis Rias of course will have to come back or, or hopefully will come back um, sooner rather than later as well which would take a, a position player spot but at this point I, I can see them optioning down those uh, or disposing of whatever the the situation those those two arms <laughs> that he said not disposing of today the Brewers too many too many options Jose contract. <laughs> he, so kind of I do remember that he doesn't have options yeah I, we wouldn't have to pay him I guess if we I don't know what the uh what the rules are with contracts on uh, the disposal of players it's a it's a new it's a new option, I guess, this year uh, for oh, for under for small CBA. market teams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. So, uh, again, just kind of summing up um, the struggles that the Brewers have had, but again, still still early in the season. Uh, everybody, I think, makes uh, all too early predictions uh, and uh, analysis based on limited sample size. So Brewers will have hopefully a relatively easy series. They're going to have a home series against Pittsburgh, hoping to get to a game myself. David, I think you've already been to two games this year um, and well behind and haven't even made my first game yet. So hoping to see the Brewers in that Pittsburgh series. And the Brewers will be traveling to Philadelphia for a Sunday night baseball game against not the Cubs, against the Phillies. Um, a rare, a rare sight. I don't know. I don't know if you. I'm putting you on the spot here. I don't know if you uh, know like when the last time the Brewers had a, a Sunday night baseball game that wasn't against the Cubs. Maybe they, the Cardinals. They played the White Sox um, last year. That was the Lance Lynn right. Woodruff matchup at, at Miller Park. But yeah, I mean, not a Chicago team. Like, yeah, I guess I don't. I don't even really know. It's probably it's probably been at least five years. 
Uh, if not even maybe Probably like a, maybe a, a Braden Looper start, maybe. Probably. I do remember actually, and I wasn't a Braden Looper start, but I think it was it was Hank Aaron bobblehead night when they had the 40th anniversary celebration. And that was a Sunday night baseball game. I'm like 99% sure. I actually want to say that one was against the Phillies too, um, but I am not 100% sure on that. But that would have been, what, 12 years ago already? So yeah. I would be surprised yeah. if they haven't had at least a Sunday night game against a non-Chicago team between now and then, or since then. I guess that's our, that's your, that's uh, for all you listeners. That's your homework. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Brewers Podcast. See if we can track down when that last Sunday night baseball game was for the Brewers. So, David, I know we've got a random player of the day and trivia question. Any other final thoughts that you wanted to share on on the Brewers' uh, opening uh, of the season so far? Uh, overall, I'd say it's just important to know that it's it's a small sample size. So. Um, understanding that, you know, I mean, there will always be those overreactions that, you know, I have, you have, other people have, um, but, uh, but it's important to see what comes in the next couple of weeks when we, we start getting a little bit more of meaningful samples. Um, today, we're actually, we have an, an interactive random player of the day. So uh, I was, I was thinking about the old Milwaukee Brewers, not the, not the minor league version, but even older, the 1901 Milwaukee Brewers of the American League, who, yes, they did exist for a year, and then they moved to St. Louis. They're now the Baltimore Orioles, um, but they were a member of the original American League. And um, I've got three players for you to choose from on who we want to feature as the random player of the day. We got I picked at least who I thought were the three best names on the team. Um, I've only heard of one one of the players on the team, so I don't know who any of these guys are. But um, we can do pink Pink Holly, um, Tully Sparks, or Jiggs Donahue? Let's go, with, let's go with Jiggs Donahue. Let's learn about Jiggs today. Jiggs Donahue. Um, he played in the big leagues for nine years. Uh, he spent time with uh, the White Sox, the Pirates, the St. Louis Browns, uh, the Washington Senators, and uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. And he had a career OPS of 624. And in 1907, he actually led the league in both games played and in at-bats. Um, and in that year, he had a, a 594 OPS, which was only 8% below league average somehow. Um, he also, for his career, had more walks than strikeouts. And the power was a little bit lacking. 813 games, uh, four home runs. Um, so... Just Not a little. Quite the power that we see that we see today, um, but had a, had a pretty good pretty good career. Um, he uh, he's someone who uh, played in that early um, early part of baseball and played in a couple couple minor league stops as well. Back when back when the uh, the minor leagues were independent, he actually came back to Milwaukee for the nineteen oh two and nineteen oh three seasons and played for the minor league Brewers. Uh, so. Stats on that are a little bit limited. Uh, On-base percentage hadn't been invented yet at that point. Uh, so we only have batting average and uh, his extra base hits. I feel like it's fitting that uh, we've got such a, some good names. Uh, anytime we've got Stubby Clapp uh, coming, to, coming to town to see him, of course, the first base coach for the Cardinals. So I, I feel like that was fitting today after uh, 
uh, a, a stubby clap appearance in, at American Family Field today, David. So on that exciting note, uh, why don't you share again, remind us what today's trivia question is. Today's trivia question, once again, uh, who are the three haters that the Brewers have had um, that have been league average so far by OPS plus, and that is entering Sunday. So I don't know if those, those numbers have changed at all uh, with, the, uh, with the game today uh, on Sunday. But who are the three players that have been above league average as hitters? Peter, we'll see if you've got this one. So I know Rowdy's been off to a, a pretty good start, had a couple extra base hits, I know, thus far. So I'm going to go with Rowdy Telez as one of those players. Is that is he? Does he fit that category? He is one of the three. You got okay, one down, sounds two good. more to go. Sounds good. Um, of the other position players, let's see, um, McCutcheon, McCutcheon, Adames, Yelich, Narvaez. I know Renfro is off to a little bit of a slow start. Of course, Jace Peterson uh, on base. Jace probably not in that list. Um, I think Yelich. Yelich has been okay. Let's see if Yelich makes that list. He does not, unfortunately. Ninety-eight OPS plus, just short of the threshold. All right. So let's final guess here. Let's go with the, the Brewers catcher Omar Narvaez. Narvaez is correct. So you got two out of the three. The, the third one actually is another catcher, Victor Caratini, who's been off to an excellent start. Uh, he's, he's played in, in five games, actually, the same amount as Narvaez has, and got an OPS over 1,000. Uh, I, I, I mean, I knew he had been, like, pretty good, but I didn't even realize that he had been quite that good. So Caratini is the third hitter that has been above league average for the Brewers, along with Rowdy Telez and Omar Narvaez. There we go. Not bad. I'll take two out of three there. Um, and I'm, I, I'm happy to see Rowdy swing the bats well. I've been happy to see some of that gap-to-gap power that he's shown as well as a home run here uh, to start the year. So good good things from him over at first base, um, manning that position. So as we wrap up again today, uh, it was a fun one today. Brewers not necessarily off to the great start, but nonetheless, we've got some baseball. Um, taking a look at our projections for the Brewers. Uh, I'm hoping on a big turnaround year from Christian Yelich. Um, I guess that's my big takeaway from that. David's got the Brewers winning 93 wins, winning the National League pennant. I've got the Brewers 90 wins, also winning the NL Central um, and making it to the NLCS. Uh, again, we I think our uh, general theme of it's early to make assumptions or analysis, so uh, we'll, we'll try to hold off. I'll try to calm down on Devin Williams' uh, slow start again this season. Hopefully he's able to rebound, uh, but we'll continue to uh, hope for the best in that situation, David. Final thoughts that you have today before we let everyone go today? Yeah, the Pirates are coming to town, which means a couple uh, a couple big big uh, key members of the past couple of years with the Brewers returning. We've got big Dan Vogelback coming back as a Pirates um, DH now. Uh, the uh, the DH in the NL surely has helped Vogelback, of course, really known. I think he'll he'll kind of be known for that walk-off grand slam. That'll kind of be his, uh, his legacy in Milwaukee. Um, that and being fat. Um, and then uh, and then the Pirates hitting coach is Andy Haynes. The Brewers hitting coach over the past couple of years was Haynes. So he'll be making his return to Milwaukee. Um, I am not sure yet if, uh, if Pirates fans have started the hashtag fire Andy Haynes uh, movement yet. We'll see if that one started yet. Um, although I guess you kind of have to have some talent, have to have some talented hitters to, uh, blame things on your hitting coach for not going well. Not sure if the Pirates have that yet. 
yeah, it should be should be always. Uh, I guess it's always good when the Pirates come to town. Uh, Brewers have had their number, and just about every team in all of baseball has had their number over the last couple of years since uh, I guess the Andrew McCutcheon MVP era uh, over in Pittsburgh. So hopefully Brewers able to take at least two out of three, maybe get a little bit more on track, uh, move up in the NL standings as uh, the season just continues to roll along. Again, ten games in Brewers, five and five uh, in the National League Central. Uh, I'm excited to see what the Brewers do this week. Again, three against. Pittsburgh, three against Philadelphia, Sunday night baseball against a non-Chicago team. Uh, for all you diehard listeners, if you can figure out uh, and, and tweet us at Brewers Podcast, if we can try to figure out the last Sunday night game the Brewers had against a non-Chicago team, we'll see if we can track that down. Um, but until next week, as always, this is Peter and David signing off. Go Brewers. Thank you for listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review our show on whichever platform you're listening on. If you enjoyed it, consider supporting us through the link down below. See you next time.